D&D has never been a dead or static game. It's a living one that's always changing. Wizards of the Coast is constantly brewing up new content ideas and has been doing so since the 5th edition started, and making new content that you won't find in the player's handbook. But new content is a double-edged sword. It brings more options and new excitement, but it can also disrupt the game as it is. Unearthed Arcanas are official D&D supplements that aren't finished yet. They're playtest material intended to gauge public reaction and to find and fix problems before they become real additions. Stay tuned for this rather lengthy video as we go through every single piece of Unearthed Arcana, tell you everything you need to know, and perhaps even just have a little bit of an opinionated discussion. We'll be going through every single Unearthed Arcana article since they started back in 2015. We won't be going into a ton of detail, and some will definitely get more attention than others, but we will give you enough information to understand just how ever-evolving this game really is. We'll also let you know if the material is implemented, active, or outmoded. An active Unearthed Arcana is current playtesting material. It's the most recent of its content and is still being considered for becoming part of a real book. It's perfectly reasonable to try out active Unearthed Arcanas in your home games, especially if you take the time to report some of your experiences online. An outmodded Unearthed Arcana has been considered, then thrown out to be replaced with a different version in a new Unearthed Arcana. Generally, you should avoid playing outmodded Unearthed Arcanas as they've already been removed from consideration and there is a shiny new version ready for testing. Implemented Unearthed Arcanas are the ones that have actually been included in full releases, or at least a version of them that's very close. Always double-check the version that was actually released before using an implemented Unearthed Arcana. But enough of that, we've got a lot to go through, and this is enough build-up, so let's get started with all of the Unearthed Arcana. Starting us off are a bunch of draconic playable character options that go beyond your typical Dragonborn character, including a new take on the Kobold. You also get a new collection of dragon spells, named after some of D&D's most infamous dragons. I mean, there's things like the Metallic Dragon option. I understand the excitement. With Folk of the Feywild, we get some pretty cool fey races, including a fairy, a hobgoblin of the Feywild, Owlfolk, and Rabbit Folk. I'm just glad I don't have to search for homebrew fairy builds for players anymore. That's sort of why I'm always excited about new player races and lineages, in fact. Speaking of lineages, gothic lineages. In this Unearthed Arcana, we got the ability to play as a Dampier, a Reborn, or Hexbloods, all of which add a slightly necrotic spin on a new character or one you've grown fond of and want to shake up a little. We have done videos on all of these lineages if you'd like to learn more. Here we got the subclasses The Way of the Ascendant Dragon for Monks and the Drake Warden for Rangers. Any update that involves getting a small dragon companion is okay in my book. Many of you know how much of a bard player I am at heart, so the new table of Tales from Beyond, which are essentially stories your bard can tell to grant certain effects, was right up my alley. Any of you bard players out there probably get how exciting this is as well. In this one, as the name suggests, we get a lot of new feats that can provide new skills or mastery of existing ones. My personal favorite being the Poisoner, in which a player becomes able to make and deliver poisons that administer various effects. This one contains three reworks of previous Unearthed Arcana subclasses. It includes the Phantom Rogue subclass, a rework of the Revived Rogue subclass, the Genie Warlock subclass, a rework of the Noble Genie Warlock subclass, and the Order of the Scribes Wizard subclass, which has replaced the Archivist Artificer subclass altogether. 
that take took me way too much. So I hope you guys appreciated how much of a mouthful that was. In Psionic Options Revisited, this latest attempt to introduce and balance Psionic Options to the game includes the Psyknight Fighter subclass, the Soul Knife Rogue subclass, and the Psionic Soul Sorcerer subclass. Psionic Souls directly replaces the previous Aberrant Mind. It also includes three Psionic-themed spells and five Psionic feats. My players are going to absolutely love this update. I've tried to keep every information on Psionics from them for my own stress. This one contains 11 new spells focused mainly on summoning and, as the name suggests, 11 new magic item tattoos and the rules for implementing them. Definitely a way to make your players think more aesthetically and practically at the same time. This one contains three new subclasses, the Armorer Artificer subclass, the Circle of Stars Druid subclass, and the Fey Wanderer Ranger subclass. This one contains three new subclasses, the College of the Creation Bard subclass, the Unity Domain Cleric subclass, and the Clockwork Soul Sorcerer subclass. And this one contains four new subclasses, the Path of the Beast Barbarian subclass, the Way of the Mercy Monk subclass, the Oath of the Watcher's Paladin subclass, and, well, that's it. It also contains the Noble Genie Warlock subclass, which has later been updated, but we're going through all of the information that you need, so there you go. This Unearthed Arcana has actually been completely outmoded, as you've seen. This is one of their takes on psionics and has been completely replaced by psionic options revisited. The battle to include a balanced version of psionics has truly always waged on behind the scenes. Class Feature Variants is a large proposed overhaul providing alternative class features for all of the classes. There's a good chance this will be the basis for a massive advanced class guide or something similar in the next year or so. This one contains three new subclasses, the Rune Knight Fighter subclass and the Swarmkeeper Ranger subclass, which are still active, but the Revived Rogue subclass has since been replaced. This one contains three new subclasses, the Twilight Domain Cleric, the Circle of Wildfire Druid, and the Onomancy Wizard subclass. This one contains two new subclasses, the College of Eloquence for the Bard and the Oath of Heroism for the Paladin. I have a player that dove headfirst into this new Paladin subclass, so in that regard, I guess I can vouch for it. This one contains two new subclasses, the Aberrant Mind Sorcerer subclass, which has been replaced by the later Psionic Soul subclass, and the still active the Lurker in the Deep Warlock subclass. Get used to me naming off a bunch of classes, because that's basically how this is going to go, but this one contains two new subclasses, the Path of the Wild Soul Barbarian and the Way of the Astral Self Monk subclass. Read up on that last one if you really want your monk character to make your DM's head spin. Just take my word on that one. The Artificer Returns has been implemented and outmoded. It didn't make the transition completely unscathed, but this last version of the Artificer class made it most of the way to Eberron. The Archivist subclass was cut, but would later return as the Oath of Scribes Wizard subclass. And speaking on that a bit earlier, this version of the Artificer class was very quickly edited for the next version I just told you about. Now we're getting to one of the really interesting ones. This introduces special sidekick classes like the Warrior, Expert, and Spellcaster to be used for helpful and recurring NPCs. Due to my love of seafaring campaigns, I was glad that this one was implemented. This version of ship mechanics made its way into Ghosts of Saltmarsh, with only minor changes, to the point that you can grab these for essentially the same style of water vehicle systems. Perhaps quite obviously, this set of magic items was implemented in Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, and then were later carried over into Eberron rising from the Last War. This set of Dragon Marks essentially works as an alternate sub-race for core races. They were technically implemented, but the final version in Eberron rising from the Last War is different enough that I've categorized this as outmoded.
In Races of Ravnica, they all went through a few major changes, but three of these races can be found in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, including the Loxodon, Simic Hybrid, and the Vidalcan, all of which we've done videos on, by the way. Sadly, the fourth race, the Viashano, got left on the cutting room floor. This single sorcerer subclass had a lot of influence from Storm King's Thunder, but never ended up in anything official. According to one of my players that runs a sorcerer a lot, there are many legitimate reasons as to why. Slightly streamlined versions of the Centaur and Minotaur race were implemented in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. We have done a video on these guys if you'd like to learn more about them, but I'm pretty sure if someone is already interested in playing one of these races, I really don't have to do anything to incentivize you to look into them. This cleric subclass was implemented in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Definitely the right pick for you goody-two-shoe clerics out there. These general wilderness exploration rules have yet to be implemented or really revisited. The thing is, though, if you feel like you would want guidance when running a game or a campaign within a wilderness setting, or with a heavy emphasis on survival, you should definitely flip through this and take some ideas. There's some good stuff in there. Both active and implemented, this contains three new subclasses. The Brute Fighter subclass, the School of Invention Wizard subclass, and the Circle of Spores Druid subclass, which was implemented in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. We were blessed with four new sub-races for the Elves, including the Winged Avriel and the rather xenophobic Grugok, which are still active, but the Aquatic Sea Elves and the Shadowy Shatterkai were implemented in Morninkainen's Tome of Foes. This one contains eight new sub-race options for Tieflings, and options for specific fiendish cults. The cult mechanics didn't make it over, but the sub-races were all implemented in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. The elf sub-race Eladrin and the Gith races were all implemented in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes as well. More of a DM philosophy and advice article than actual rules, these concepts have yet to be placed in any official rulebook. Much like other things on this list, though, I highly recommend all DMs at least flip through it so they can get, you know, some new ideas. This alternate rule system for determining initiative order adds significant complexity to normal combat, but also allows for more depth and variety. I have never been a fan of vanilla D&D combat without some personal flair, streamlining detail, or a story grounding the fight. This goes a long way in making combat encounters way more involved. This one contains four subclasses in their last incarnation before being implemented in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. It includes the Circle of Shepherd Druid, the Cavalier Fighter, the Oath of Conquest Paladin, and the Celestial Warlock subclass. This one also contains a few subclasses before being fully brought over to Xanathar's Guide to Everything. It includes the Path of the Ancestral Guardian Barbarian, the College of Swords Bard, the Arcane Archer Fighter, the Way of the Kensi Monk, and the Favored Soul, renamed to Divine Soul, Sorcerer subclass. This contains feats that can only be chosen by specific core races. Most of these were implemented in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, but a few were left behind or completely redone. This contains feats that provide proficiency in each skill along with a small side benefit. And I don't really meet many people that were jazzed about this one. Now talking about one of my personal favorites, these rules and concepts for downtime activities were implemented in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, of which I use quite frequently in long-spanning campaigns. Most but not all of these low-level spells were implemented into Xanathar's Guide to Everything as well. Has it become obvious to you yet how much stuff made it into Xanathar or... It, you'll... <laughs> we're not done with that. Three more subclasses that were implemented into Xanathar's Guide to Everything include the Way of the Drunken Master, which my buddy Kyle plays all the time, the Oath of Redemption Paladin subclass, and the Monster Slayer Ranger subclass. 
This contains two subclasses for wizards, the War Magic, which implemented in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and the Thurgy, which seems to have been left behind entirely. Yet another thing that we have also done a video on, this contains the last incarnation of the Mystic class before they seem to have been all but abandoned. It was decidedly too complex and unbalanced and has been replaced in later Unearthed Arcana as multiple psionic subclasses. This set of systems and rules for traps was, say it with me now, implemented into Xanathar's Guide to Everything alongside several other example traps. Oh boy, now on to something I have a lot of words about, the mass combat. This contains rules for organizing full-scale warfare and similar engagements. During a campaign I ran a few years ago, I wanted full-scale war to not only be a backdrop, but something that the characters could actively partake and engage with. After looking at the system that Wizards of the Coast provided, I was made very excited. Because it definitively proved that I had made my own much more fun battle system. Don't get me wrong, there are some genuinely great ideas here, but it becomes such a massive number crunch that I would be astonished if any group would be looking forward to a mass combat-heavy session. I highly suggest doing what my group did and streamline the process. Make the story behind the battle and the fact that your PCs are there much more integral to the session than figuring out which army's numbers went down quicker. If you guys want a whole episode on mass combat and ways to make it more fun, let me know in the comments. I would absolutely love to talk more about this, but I'm going to cut myself off now. This contains three subclasses, one of which was the Hexblade Warlock subclass, implemented alongside numerous other new Eldritch invocations in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. The Raven Queen Warlock subclass and the Lore Mastery Wizard subclass were sadly left behind. This contains four Sorcerer subclasses, the Favored Soul subclass, which was later named to Divine Soul, the Phoenix Sorcery, which was overpowered and abandoned, along with the Sea Sorcery and Stone Sorcery, which were both later replaced with Storm Sorcery. This contains three subclasses, the Horizon Walker Ranger subclass, the Scout Rogue, which was implemented into Xanathar's Guide to Everything. The Primeval Guardian Ranger subclass, however, remains unused and active. Oh, okay, so this is where my second favorite class started out at. This contains two subclasses for Paladins, the Oath of Conquest, which, yes, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, it's in there, and the Oath of Treachery, which seems to have been left behind. This contains two subclasses for Monks, the Way of the Kensi and the Way of Tranquility, both of which have been replaced by new versions in later Unearthed Arcana. Active, implemented, and outmoded, this contains four subclasses for fighters. Samurai was implemented into Xanathar's Guide to Everything almost completely unchanged. The Arcane Archer and Knight subclasses were revised in later Unearthed Arcana before being implemented. And the Sharpshooter subclass seems to have been abandoned due to, let's say, extreme power balance issues, to put it charitably. Druid Circles in Wild Shape. This contains three subclasses for Druids. Circle of Dreams, which was implemented into Xanathar's Guide to Everything, again almost completely unchanged. Circle of the Shepherd would be revisited in another Unearthed Arcana before implementation. And finally, the Circle of Twilight seems to have been abandoned due to power balance issues yet again. This contains three subclasses for Clerics, the Forge Domain, the Grave Domain, which were both implemented in Xanathar's, and the Twilight Domain, which has been left behind and still remains active. This contains two subclasses for the Bards, the College of Glamour and the College of Whispers, which was one of my personal favorites, actually, and thankfully made it into Xanathar's. This contains three subclasses for Barbarians, the Path of the Ancestral Guardian, which received another version in the Unearthed Arcana before being implemented, and the Path of the Storm Herald and the Path of the Zealot were both implemented into Xanathar's Guide to Everything. 
Have you gotten tired of me saying that yet? This contains new advice and guidelines for building new encounters as a DM and or implemented into Xanathar's Guide. A welcome buff for the Ranger. This contains the Seeker Warlock subclass that remains unused and active, and the Thurgy Wizard subclass that would later be tried again in another Unearthed Arcana. This contains tables for randomly creating a new character out of the core classes in races, and remains unused. I know some people I roll dice with that really don't care much for the character creation, so I think this is genuinely a good way to make that process a bit more engaging than just pulling up a pre-made character or something like that, but also doesn't put them through the whole rigmarole of picking every little thing. Ah, feats. This contains a set of feats centered around specific weapon mastery and tool mastery. They have yet to appear in any publication. Perhaps for the best. This contains the undead subrace Revenants, which can be applied to any race, and the fighter subclass Monster Hunter, both of which have yet to be implemented. It also contains the rogue subclass Inquisitive, which was implemented in Xanathar's. This contains four subclasses, three of which, including the Bard's College of Swords and the Fighter Cavaliers and the Scout, would be replaced with later versions. And Scout even switches from a fighter subclass to a rogue subclass. The Bard's College of Satire, however, remains active and unused. But I'm going to go out on a limb and vouch for it as someone that actually really enjoyed it. This contains the Tiefling sub-races and Abyssal spells that have been replaced in later Unearthed Arcana. This contains alternate fighting styles for classes that can gain them. These alternate fight styles remain active and unused. It also contains two subclasses that have been replaced with the newer versions, the Deep Stalker Ranger subclass and the Undying Light Warlock subclass, later renamed the Celestial. It also contains the Shadow Sorcerer subclass that was implemented in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Someone should keep tally of how many times I've said that. This contains optional rules for prestige classes, secondary classes that can be worked into if an existing character meets the requirements. It then gives the rune scribe prestige class an example. Some of the runes have been retooled into simple magic items, but it otherwise remains active and unused. This is one of the now outmoded early attempts to fix the ranger class. This should indicate just how early in the process these attempts began. This contains new rules and spells for playing in 5e in the modern or futuristic settings. It also includes three technology-themed subclasses, the City Domain Cleric, the Ghost in the Machine Warlock, and the Technomancy Wizard, and is also going to get my special award of Unearthed Arcana I am literally 0% interested in. Many failed and outmoded Mystic reworks. Go check out our video on them if you really want to know how that all turned out. This contains several alternate rules for some of the fundamentals of the system, such as saving throws and hit points. Again, all DMs, check this one out. The only active portion of this article is the alternate fighting style Mariner, which remains unused. It also contains the Minotaur race, which would later be replaced, and the Swashbuckler Rogue subclass and the Storm of Sorcery Sorcerer subclass, which would both be later implemented into Xanathar's Guide to Everything. I think that's the last time I say it. This contains alternate rules for creating your own subclasses. It uses a variant of the outmoded favored soul as an example of a finished new subclass, but the rules themselves remain active. This contains an earlier version of what would become the mass combat rules. To reiterate, there really is a great battle system somewhere in the mechanics that these two installments present. The fact that they are trying to implement this so early leads me to believe that we might get a perfect set of mass yeah, I do the second part of that again. 
The fact that they were trying to implement this so early leads me to believe that we might get the perfect set of mass combat rules at some point. Or maybe I'll just have to do it myself. And finally, or perhaps firstly, this contains racial rules for shifters, warforged, and dragon marks, as well as rules for the artificer wizard subclass, all of which would be completely replaced in later versions. Feel free to watch our video about Eberron to learn more if a steampunk setting sounds appealing to you, or if you just want to learn the history about how that all got started. I'm realizing now that I chose to wear my Nintendo 64 shirt, and I kind of wish there were 64 Unearthed Arcana, but there was way more. Unearthed Arcana speaks not only to the creative effort of the artists over at Wizards of the Coast, but also to the enthralling possibilities D&D can offer to players. As someone who has crafted a ton of his own homebrew content, seeing the creators actively trying to expand and improve the game makes me feel like we're all in on the same mission, trying to give the players the best world, story, and encounters we possibly can. Thank you guys so much for joining me on this rather long video. I truly appreciate it. And I want to take a second to just thank all of you guys that watch our videos, leave comments, and support us all the time. I want to thank the writers that help put together all these scripts. I want to thank everyone at Skull Splitter Dice for giving me the platform to talk about a hobby that I truly love and to turn it into a show that I have come to love almost just as much. Thanks again for watching and thanks for tuning in all the time. Uh, it really means a lot. I <laughs> thank you. And until next time, farewell.